0: Welcome to a Christian and a Buddhist walk into a bar, now only $4.99. My name is Jamal and I'm a Buddhist. My name is Jacob, I am a Christian. And Jamal, I'm wondering whether you
1: have forgotten the pledge that you made some episodes ago that this podcast always was, always would be free. First question. Second question You've got my bank account details for my share of the royalties, right? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah, 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 yeah no, it. no. Oh uh, look, Jamal is swindling me, ladies and gentlemen. He's taking all of the <laughs> proceeds from the podcast and leaving none to me.
0: That's true. Um, <laughs> I well, I mean, look, look. I, I thought about it, and yeah, we we, we were going to keep this podcast free, but you know, I, 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 I think I think we need to commodify everything in our lives, right? Like, you know, there's, there's you know, nothing is. um N- nothing is worthwhile unless it has a price tag attached to it. So, you know, let's uh, let's make that cash money. Fair enough? Yeah, no. Um, for those of you who can't... <laughs> we were
1: talking Buddhist ethics on the last episode and how people need to be loved and cared for and how that's a, a fundamental good, good thing. I mean, love and care come with a price.
0: Yes, it does. <laughs> comes to the price. <laughs> no, um, there's, uh, there's, there's actually a story, um, a, a a very real story from Ajahn Brahm. Around um, one time he gets called up by a woman, who's um, who calls him up and goes, "Oh, like how how much is your meditation classes?" Mm-hmm. You know, and he he just runs a monastery, and you can rock up and meditate whenever you like, and it is free. Um, and and he goes, "Well, it's not, you know, we don't charge. You you don't have to like pay anything." And she's like, "Oh, like no, seriously, like how much is it? Like how much do you have to pay?" she's like. Nothing like it's fine, yeah. and she goes, "Oh well, you can't be any good then, can you?" And hangs up. <laughs> <off. laughs> yeah. So, so ever since then, he started saying, "Oh, it, it's priceless." Um, oh, I like that. You yeah. know, yeah. but yeah. but I think that this brings us to what we're talking about today, which is a continuation of the um, mindfulness conspiracy uh, article that we that we dealt with last week. Um, this article is called the mindfulness conspiracy, and it is about how. Mindfulness has uh, has been co-opted from its uh, Buddhist ethical roots and very much placed within the uh, the realm of capitalism and, and and almost as a kind of a, uh, almost as a, as a way to, to get people to just you know uh, be, be happy with their loss in the capitalist society <laughs> and not question anything. It
1: stops a revolution,
0: comrade. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, so we're continuing on with our discussion there, and um, we are we're discussing kind of a, another theme of this article that we didn't really get a chance to talk about last week, which is this idea of McMindfulness um, mm. and the commodification of mindfulness as a as a product.
1: Well, and this goes to something that I think we were talking a, li- a little about last week, which is that you can you can take mindfulness as an instrument. Um, And you can sort of plug it into whatever ethical framework you like. So it originally it grows out of you know the Buddhist path and way, Mm. Um, but but then you wind up with Google taking mindfulness and going, oh well, we can use this to sell better ads, Mm. essentially. So um, mindfulness—it's a term it says here—called by uh, coined by Miles Neal, who's a Buddhist teacher and psychotherapist, Um, and kind of compares it to mcdonald's right like so uh, i don't know if you've come across the idea of the mcdonald's mcdonald's of everything jamal but like it's uh, you know um, consistency uh, a constant standard of you get the same thing in every mcdonald's in every corner of the globe um, you you know what you're getting reliably um, and so it, it all becomes really interchangeable mm. uh, and that seems to be the the argument that's been um, placed here is that that this is what mindfulness does. It's kind of you can just plug it in with anything and you're always going to get the same product as it were and and that's going to make your life better.
0: Yeah, and, and I think it also, you know, it describes this kind of this sense of, um, you know, it's quoted here, a feeding frenzy of spiritual practices that provide immediate nutrition but no long-term sustenance, mm-hmm. which I think is a really insightful kind of comment that, you know, mindfulness without the ethical basis we discussed last week, you know, yeah. it 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 ends up just providing you with kind of, you know, better insight and maybe better feelings, but no real direction to point them towards. But the other side of this... Well, and, and so that,
1: just on on that is um, the way it's phrased here uh, is that the, the founder of Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction saw the opportunity to give stressed-out Americans easy access to mindfulness through an eight-week course for stress reduction that would be taught consistently using a standardised curriculum. And and you can see even in there that the, the point of it is that you feel less stressed. Yes. Not that you're actually being better in the world, but just that you're a little bit more relaxed and a little bit off edge. And and therefore, by extension, the, the authors would argue here that the revolution is a little bit further off because you're not being pushed to the, the edge. It's a, a coping mechanism.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's... It's as you know, what we talked about last week that, that that coping mechanism that that places the responsibility mm. of your stress on you rather than on the systems and structures that have caused you to be stressed in the first place, and gives you a tool teal, a,
1: a, teal, a tool to deal with that that will inevitably be inadequate so long as those systems and structures persist.
0: Yes, um, you know, and we spoke a bit last week around like whether or not. Uh, Buddhist ethic kind of also does that, which I, which you know, at least I, I land on the position that that no, it doesn't. But you know, I, I can see why you would think that. But the other part of this that I think is really interesting is this idea that it's not just mindfulness of the practice itself, mm-hmm. but it's also the commodification of mindfulness as a product. So you know, I I, I was just thinking. Uh, just before we were recording this about like for a very long time um you know in Australia in a capitalist society a test that I have always run but not even really thought about much is when I find out you know there's a meditation place when I find out someone is engaging with a particular meditation school or whatever else Mm. the absolute first test I run is do they charge and to me, I have a kind of personal assessment that anybody who is putting a cost on a meditation class, um, and you know, to purely meditation class, right? So, you know, okay. for context, you know, there are yoga classes at the gym that have a meditative element. Well, there's to a them. question there
1: about the commodification of religious practices, yeah. actually. But yes. yes,
0: but yeah, you know, I, I I think yeah, something like yoga has probably become enough of a of a of its own kind of thing that you know that the difference in yoga and pilates is kind of small and so you know sure. there, there are gyms that charge for both and okay fine I, I can live with that, um, but if there is a if there is a center if there is a, a group that is going oh look we're, we're advertising a meditation class and they charge for it I'm out I'm mm-hmm. just like you know th- that is fundamentally going against my understanding of the ethic of Buddhism and the the kind of the call to help others and provide the teachings freely to anybody, right? And so, you know, the first test I will always apply to anybody who comes to me and says, oh, well, I'm doing this meditation thing. Um, For me, the first test of legitimacy is do they charge or not? And if they charge, it is not legitimate.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, So why is it illegitimate to charge?
0: Uh, I mean, firstly, because the, the the Buddha very directly said, you know, um, so it's breaking the first commandment. of Well, yeah, the, the, what it, the it, it's yeah, not yeah. specifically a commandment, but sure. yes, the, the Buddha says, you know, uh, it's 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 in effect the words of you know, go forth and multiply, but go forth and multiply the teaching, right? It's you know, <laughs> it's it's going, you know, go and spread the word, go, you know, go, you know uh, yeah. The Buddha's was like, you know, this is just inherent truth. I'm just giving you truth, and you know. You can't put a put a price on that, and you know, I, I think it's probably true of all religion, right? I, um, yeah, you know, there is a big tradition in Buddhism of dana and of giving, uh, you giving money or giving resources or food or whatever else as a way of thanks for what you have received, but it's never forced. Yeah, you know, it, it's yeah, it's it's always freely given. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and and so you know, uh, people that profess to be Buddhist. Uh, organizations or whatever else that charge, I um, I I have a big question mark right and I this actually. There was a point at which um, I was I was dating somebody who was part of a particular Buddhist group that did charge, and you know, mm-hmm. and w- 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 yeah, I was dating this person, so I did You know, talk to them a bit more about the details of what that particular group was doing, and like theologically they seemed really sound, right? I, you know, it could kind of like, you know, I, I dug into it. I was like, actually, they're, they're actually kind of quite engaged theologically and they're coming from place there. Um, but I just could not get over the fact that they were charging to attend. And, you know, the argument she made was very much like, oh, well, you know, we've, you know, the, you know we're, we're renting out a space or so we yep. own a building, we've got to pay the mortgage or whatever. So I'm like it doesn't matter to me, right? Like, I'm, I'm sorry, I just don't care how much
1: you're, you know... And, be- and you might be perfectly willing to, to, to pay the same amount that they'd be asking you to charge if yeah. they
0: weren't charging it. Yeah, yeah but yeah. like I don't care how much your building mortgage is for whatever else. Like, at the end of the day, if you're not a business. And if you're trying to run as a business, you're not Buddhist, you know? And- so
1: there's an interesting kind of question. I mean, you're talking Buddhism in particular, but if, if we were to broaden that to just mm. religions in general... Um, around kind of or, or what is a what is a religion, a church, a mosque, or whatever for, um, and and obviously that it, it's it's not a for profit business. Mm-hmm. There has been a sense in in Western countries for uh, quite a period of time that like you know one of one of the things that the the church is good for is just like social good right? Like so, caring for the poor and the the homeless and running food banks and and whatever. We like it when. When churches do that kind of thing, that's the kind of thing that a church is supposed to be. Mm. Um, it's it's not supposed to be a business. But there's there's also um, I wonder in the the kind of individualization of religion um, and the the internalization of religious practices that's that's happened in the West, kind of post enlightenment. Mm. Um, whether that feeds the commodification of religion if, if like religious practices are something that is going to lead to my self-improvement um, why why would I not pay for that or, or as this woman said to arjun brahm like you know it, it can't be any good if you're not charging people for it and I I read a, a book not that long ago called strange rights mm. by Tara Isabella Burton who's a um, I think she has a, a PhD in Religious studies, something like that, and and is a journalist. And she was looking at the religious practices of American—I can't remember if it was millennials or Gen Zs, but you know, twenty and thirty somethings—and that they showed a clear preference to pay for religious, spiritual goods and services, kind of as it were. Uh, And she hypothesizes that it's because they live in a culture where if you value something you pay for it and it's not going to be any good if you don't pay for it and and if religion and spirituality is about improving me as a person and improving myself like why would I not pay for that in order to get the the best that I can get
0: well and I think this goes to you know a kind of a, a point that we've we've banged on about a fair bit uh, I was going to say bung on about this probably should be with the word. juice yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah um, but you know this idea that the, the society there's a supremacy in society of the state and I, think I would say in our society of the market mm-hmm. over all other things you know yes. and that that's yeah, shifted absolutely. over the years right that you know that traditionally the church had probably a greater supremacy or the the monarchy which was entire tied in with the church had a supremacy or whatever else you know? or the, the
1: nobility or whatever
0: yeah. Right? yeah and and you know and and I think that that's where you kind of get this idea that you know, part of the purpose of the church as a not-for-profit organization is to provide social services and is to, is to do all these things. But um, you know the the article here talks about it exactly. You know, as yeah, as we have, mindfulness is said to be a four billion dollar industry mm. with more than sixty thousand books for sale on Amazon that have a various of mindfulness and variant of mindfulness in the title, right? You know, it's everything from mindful parenting to mindful eating to mindful therapy to mindful finance to mindful dog owners, you know, <laughs> mindful coloring books, you know, yeah. and it's like, yeah, but. It, it i think it goes to what is the what is the lens at which we view everything you know and i think we've 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 come to a point in the world and whether you want to call this you know late capitalism or whatever else right but we've come to a point where everything is viewed through a market commodification exchange right that, that mm-hmm. everything you do in the you know, i i think it's fairly common I think, in the world to think of everything we do in the context of how it interacts with our role as actors in the market. And so when you do that, it makes sense that your spirituality and your <laughs> your belief system and your ethics somehow has to fit into how do you interact as, as, as a player in the market. But I guess, like, it, it's...
1: Uh, maybe we're recapping a little bit of the conversation on ethics we were having in the last episode, but doesn't that also that shape the way that you... Look at, like, like not just how you, um, like, like not just not just that it shapes how you act, but it also shapes the expectations that you have of what is religion going to give me per se, right? Like that, that your your ethics can't be primarily about loving and serving other people. Say, just to pick an entirely hypothetical example, mm-hmm. um, unless that contributes to your self actualization. In some way, shape, or form.
0: Yes. And, uh, so it,
1: it forces us to be pushed back into our role, not just as
0: actors in the market system, but as individual actors. Well, and I would go even further than that and say that contributing to your self actualization only becomes useful in so much that it contributes to your goals in the market. Right. <laughs> like, you know.
1: So, so I mean, I've got a big block here jumping out at me from the text. Mindfulness is being sold to executives as a way to de-stress, focus, and bounce back from working eighty-hour weeks. Yes. Right. And, yeah. and
0: I think that, that that's what it leads to. And and I've mentioned this before, right? But I think this is why Buddhism is so popular in the West, mm-hmm. right? You know, we talk about the growth of Buddhism is quite extreme, and I you know, personally, I think there are many, many more people that by all measures of it are Buddhists but just don't take that title um but I think that like part of that growth and part of that growth in popularity is exactly that is that Buddhism is seen from the context of us our- ourselves as individual actors in the market and all goals we want to achieve being you know related to how we can interact with and gain from the market um Buddhism is seen as a really useful tool in that <laughs> process, and which is why people like it, you know. Yep. When actually I think if you go back to the kind of the root causes of the religion and the root causes of the ethic and and, and if you ground your life in that rather than in uh, the, the practicalities of, of how it helps you as an individual, what you get to is a very, very different place. You know, you, you get to, you know, it, it's you flip it on its head, you know, as a Buddhist, you know, and I, I, I'm very you know, happy to be open and say this, right. As a Buddhist and as somebody that grounds my life in the Buddhist teachings, right. I think probably the number one way that I do that is actually not through my meditation practice, right. I'm not a monastic. If I really mm-hmm. cared about my meditation practice, well, I you're would,
1: saying during the week that you're not even meditating daily at the moment. Like that's just yeah, not, a, not a thing. Right? Yeah, I'm
0: meditating a couple of times a week, right. Yeah. At, at, at best. Um, but I don't think that makes me not a Buddhist, right? Because for me, what, what makes me a Buddhist is the grounding of my life in the ethic of the Buddhist practice, you know? Right. And, you know, yeah, if I cared about my meditation and my own enlightenment, I would quit my job and go to a monastery. I could do that. I have thought about doing that multiple times. Like, you know, I have enough connections and links and... Back, background that there would be a bunch of people that would be very annoyed at that decision, but I could very, very feasibly <laughs> do that decision. There, there is nothing that is stopping me from becoming a monk, other than my own desire. So, or so that not being desire. a hardcore enough Buddhist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, yeah. The, 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 it's it's only my own decisions that uh, that make me sure. not a monk and not dedicate my life to meditation. But what I think makes me a Buddhist really in the way I live my life now is that. I ground all of the things that I do in my life as serving the kind of the Buddhist goals, which are partially enlightenment and partially, Mm -hmm. you know, how I want to, you know, develop my mind and and understand the work better. Yeah. But it's also around this idea that actually, you know, I, I ground it all in my desire to support others and my desire to to um to to help people in the world uh, live better lives themselves uh, you know yep. if that's through the Buddhist path sure if that's not I think it's very very similar to how you often describe yourself Jacob as you know you know your your communication and your service and your relationship with God drives everything else in your mm-hmm. life I think my relationship with um, the Dharma drives with everything. The teaching yeah with yep. the teaching drives my life and you know I, I work, I have a job, I engage in capitalism, I, 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 I pay for a house, I do all these things that, you know, that are engaging in that, but none of it is in the service of those things. Those things are all in the service of yep. the ethic, right? Yep. Yeah. It, it's
1: interesting um, that, that you raise that because I was thinking a couple of minutes ago in the conversation, like, that um, one thing I, d- I don't think I've talked about enough on the podcast is um, the idea of grace, Within Christian thinking, um, that is, it, it, it boils down to the idea that there, there is nothing that we need to do to get close to God because God comes close to us. There's nothing we need to. There's, there's nothing we can do to be acceptable to God. Uh, but thankfully, there's we don't have to achieve acceptableness um, for God. Um, God. God loves us unconditionally, uh, and that that just because I I would say that as a Christian, where I get my sense of self from is not from myself or what I do in any particular way, but in who God says that I am. Uh, And that then governs the way I live and and how I go about being in the world, as as you described really well, I think. Um, But that, I, I see a lot within Christianity and Christian teaching that, Talks to exactly what you've been describing here, which is almost almost like religion as self-help, mm-hmm. um, and they talk about mindfulness in the article here as you know mindfulness as as a self-help tool for, for coping in the world. And so you get um, Christian preachers who who will preach you know a sermon of the the seven steps to having a great marriage, right? Mm-hmm. Like and and where it's all about giving you tools to achieve whatever goal it is. That you want to achieve in life, and I, I just I don't think that Christianity, as it at its core, is about that. It's it's not about how can I get the stuff I want. It's actually about the fact that I am wanted and valued myself in the first place, and then how does that shape how I go about the rest of my life, and how does that reorder all of my goals, and 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 it's not about helping me to become the. You know, the best CEO that I can be or the best version of myself that I can be except insofar as when I, when my life is shaped in relationship to God um, and, and knowing God's grace then I lean into becoming the best version of myself I could be because the best version of myself that I could be actually is the Jacob who isn't trying to achieve anything particular isn't trying to do this this wonderful thing and isn't even necessarily trying to love others mm. but that just flows up naturally out of me knowing who i am in relationship to god and and that just seems so different to this marketplace idea that we've been talking about
0: absolutely right and and, and i think you know i think it all comes back to this core tenant of you know what is serving what you know mm-hmm. and yeah if you are truly serving your relationship with god as the fundamental core tenant then like does it matter what else you do? You know, like, like like at the end of the day, does it matter what your practices are on a day-to-day level if you are truly serving God in the best way you can?
1: Well, I think I think it does it does matter what your practices are on the day-to-day level. I just I would flip the language, right? Like okay. I, I would say that I am I am served by God actually. Sure. Rather than I me serving God, and then you get this nice feedback loop yeah. and whatever. Um but there are certain practices that are that are either just you know dead on incompatible with that, um, like you know killing someone, or that uh, draw me away from God, if I can put it that way. Mm. Um, and and so if I'm in the habit, and I don't know anyone that goes out to intentionally cultivate this habit but if I'm in the habit of just I get angry really easily and I don't work on that in some way within myself that that draws me away from God actually that um, and and it certainly damages my relationships with other people Mm. Um, Jesus said something along the lines of um, if if you're holding a grudge against your brother and you're on the way to the temple to make a sacrifice put the sacrifice down and go fix it the grudge and the argument that you've had, and then go do the sacrifice, because yeah, that's going to draw you away from God.
0: Well, and I think that that to me ties into I think the conversation that, yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. Uh, you mentioned before the, the conversation we were having the, the other day out, outside of the podcast scenario where we were talking about the fact that I don't meditate, yeah, that regularly at the moment. And you know, it's a point that I'm always like, oh, I should meditate, more. Oh, I should do whatever. but it's exactly yeah, you can always do more, yeah. yeah. But it's exactly that point, right? That I think if if I understood my Buddhist practice as serving something other than the Buddhist practice itself, I would absolutely meditate more, right? Mm -hmm. If my aim in life was to have career success, then I would be meditating all the time because I'm totally aware of the link between (laughs) meditation and like being a better person at work. Right. Right. Um, But the reason it's almost like it's, I feel fine about not meditating all the time is the fact that I don't, you know, that, you know, absolutely, meditation will help make me a better Buddhist and make me live more of that ethic. But I don't think that, like, I don't think that the act that me not doing that is, you know, too too deeply taking away from that, you know? Mm-hmm. And, of course, I could do it more. Yeah, I, I could I could be a better Buddhist. I could be more living towards those things that I serve if I did meditate all the time. But, like... It's almost like there are other more important things. There is, there is. Go, go, and end the conflict with your brother rather than do the meditation session, right? Like right. Those yeah. other things are more important in serving how I, how I am in the world as a Buddhist and how I am in the world as somebody that that wants to live to that, you know.
1: And then it's just a question of like prioritizing them, right? because well, like, well, this is like so. One of the things that I find that I've, I've got a few people I, I talk talk with about this from time to time like a, a temptation that i will fall into mm. is a temptation to play too much computer games and that's mm. actually what i'm quite looking forward to going and doing after this podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. session and, and like did you, you have christian computer games
0: is, is there like you know
1: no no it's, it's football related okay. computer games not first person shooters Did
0: you? is your football character called jesus
1: no, okay. although there is a, a Jesus who played for Manchester City and is now sh- at, um, where's he at now, Arsenal, I think, yeah, okay. where, where Jesus <laughs> plays his football. Uh, <laughs> anyway. anyway. Um, but, like, you know, and, and computer games aren't a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, with the asterisks of in moderation, like everything else, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and there are other better things yeah. I could be doing than playing computer games. And and, and so what, what I find is that sometimes it's fine and then other times it'll just kind of it'll suck me in mm. and it's no longer to, to go back to that question of serving it's no longer serving my having some downtime and just having some you know th- a little bit of fun escapism mm. as it were it then starts to kind of control me and and suck me in and then you, you you know those moments where you, well maybe you don't we where, you, where you've been playing for you know four hours all of a
0: sudden it's like oh Crap! I was going to do other things. Well, I, I have the same thing going on at the moment with um with books. So I, I'm, yeah, okay. I, I'm I'm reading a kind of sci-fi fantasy series, right? Oh, what series? Um, it's uh, author is Becky Chambers, the, the Wayfarers series. No, anyway, sorry. I, I, I she, she has an excellent. Uh, this is just a general recommendation for everybody. She has an excellent <laughs> series that she's partway through writing. There's only two books in there so far called Monk and Robot series, which is about a utopian world, and there's a monk in that world of like some future religion. Uh, who interacts with a with a sentient robot and it's great, love it.
1: I'll have to go downstairs to the library and grab that. It oh, it's, yeah.
0: it's so good, yeah. Uh, but she also has like another series that's much more kind of traditional sci fi, um, and you know I've get, been getting really into that series. And you know that I have been reading a book before bed, uh, in the place of meditation, effectively, right? In the time that I would otherwise be allocating mm-hmm. to meditate, I am lying in bed and reading the fantasy book. Um, and part of me, you know, yeah, it's that like, you know, you can get, I'm aware that I could get too sucked in or it's like, oh, it's taken away from other stuff. But part of me also goes, yeah, you know what, that little bit of escapism, like, you know, that, that what that is doing is that is helping me develop better habits that, you know, rather than, you know, I, I used to, and I'm trying to constantly kick this habit of like spending too much time on my phone mm-hmm. and like being yeah, too yeah. disconnected with stuff through social media. So, yep. so developing an outlet for that kind of moment in space where i want to you know go scroll endlessly on the feeds um and learning to pick up my kindle and read the book instead like that's actually serving a greater purpose in in my life than it would be if i actually spent that time meditating but then wasn't actually then trying to counteract so this other it's, it's, it's kind of constant balancing act of like how do you how do you balance all your various needs and your various ways of being in the world at the same time? And I think you, your video games example can be a good one, right? There can be scenarios where it's really helpful, and scenarios where it just goes too far.
1: Yeah, exactly right. And and the thing is, when it goes too far, is is that doesn't actually that doesn't change my value as a person, mm. right? And and that doesn't change the the meaning of my existence, if you like. Uh, but what it does change. Is my apprehension of my value as a person and my understanding of the meaningfulness of my life, to put yeah. it that way, because all of a sudden I'm, I'm leaning too far into the video game and not far enough into God, to put it mm. really crudely. So if, but if we pull this all the way back to where we started, and the four dollars ninety nine that you'll be paying yeah. at the end of this podcast for the joy of having listened to whatever Jamal's joke is today, yeah. that's got to be coming up soon, but but is that we most of the time live, I think, in a way where our value is dictated to by the market, right? Yes. And uh, I was <laughs> chatting with someone the other day who said that the people get really annoyed with him for some reason when he tells them that the older you get, the less value you are to the Australian government from a taxation revenue yeah. perspective because the less lifetime tax you're going to yeah. be paying. And people get very upset about this apparently for some reason. Uh, which my my hunch is is that that's because we're, we're so conditioned to think of ourselves in terms of financial value and net worth yeah. and productivity and whatever else and so what what happens then is a system that at its best can serve us really well and provide means of exchange and everything else actually then becomes the boss of us, right, and becomes our master.
0: It, it, it's the tools. And we're in
1: bondage to that is the, yeah. the kind of the, the Lutheran language to put around
0: it. Yeah, the, the tools that we have developed to help us in the world and essentially help us meet our material needs suddenly become the the justification for everything else.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and that and so from a Christian perspective is it, that those then become – a violation of the first commandment, right? The first of the Ten Commandments is, I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods before me. And when we have these things that are no longer serving us, but we're serving them, then they kind of, you know, they they become God for us in terms of that. that is where we get our value from and that is where we understand our personhood from in the same way as you know, perhaps we could say that the Dharma is God for you.
0: Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and. Yeah, it's good to kind, of, to kind of loop this all the way back to the start of the conversation. It's like, you know, the the commodification of mindfulness or the commodification of uh, even Christian practices in certain scenarios and whatever else, right? Like that that whole thing, you know, uh, I, th- I think, you know, we... Um, the,
1: the Christian book industry, let's not get started. <laughs> the, that, yeah. the Christian
0: book industry, yeah. And yeah, like all of that, it just, you know, it to me, it, it's... It's almost the worst bastardization of religion, right? Where it's like you know, you know, I religion being a product to be sold, irrespective of what that religion is. And, I, and again, I think the mindfulness industry is maybe the worst culprit of this in in the modern world. And you know, it, it's, uh, you know, there are no Buddhists I know that would say that the mindfulness industry <laughs> is a good thing. But it's almost like that, that that you know, it's almost like the fact that Buddhism is not. As embedded in our society as Christianity means you get away with it, you know that like, you know, trying to, you know, I, I, trying
1: I mean, to like charge for prayer, yeah, would, would just like no one would do it.
0: Yeah, and what and, and I, I think I find it interesting too. You know, um, I you know, I think I spoke earlier about like you know charging for yoga and that kind of mm. thing. Like if you want to really go back to that, I mean like you know, like people in India don't do yoga in the same way we do, right? Like, yeah, you don't have yoga (laughs) You mean they don't have goats? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You know, like, like, it's just not a thing, right? And, like, you know, there's less engagement in general with it, but, like, you know, the amount of, like, the amount of times that it's just, like, you know, just completely commodified and, you know, just turned into a product that everyone wants to do and everyone wants to be an influencer for and all these kinds of things, it's like, you know, of course there are benefits to this practice. Of course, you know, every every 10th traveler I've met is, has done a yoga teacher course or something <laughs> like that, right? And like, absolutely, I get it, right? I get it. You, you were struggling in life. You engaged with this thing. It was really helpful. It really helped you do it. But like, why do you then have to monetize that? Like, yep. like, like it comes back to this podcast, right? We do this podcast because we think it's good. We gain a lot of value from. it. I gain a lot of value from talking to you. But it's never going to be four ninety nine because, like, why? Do, there goes my retirement. I point. know. But like, <laughs> like, 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 why do people have to like engage yep. with something as a monetization thing? And 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 honestly, even why do you have to like? Why do you even have to engage with anything on scale? You know, I mean, as of. As of mid-November 2022, we have 20 regular listeners to this <laughs> podcast. Like, I hope that if you're listening to this in the future, you are our 2,000th listener and yeah, you know, we, we've blown up. But also, like, what does it matter? Like, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, who cares, right? Like, it's, you know, it's this idea that you have to side hustle everything, that you have to make everything into something. It's like... Ha- how about you just have the fact that you learnt mindfulness and it was good and yep. it helped your life and it made you a better person? Like, why? Why does it need a, to a be a good anymore? thing?
1: Is a good thing, yeah. Like full, full stop. It doesn't. It doesn't have to have necessary results. Yeah. Pers- yeah, yeah.
0: Exactly. Necessarily. Yeah. 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 Um, on that note, um, speaking of good things, um, there was this uh, this time a Christian and a Buddhist walked into a bar, mm. and, um, and 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 they walked in, and um, and there was a scientist that was there, right? And the scientist, yeah, and, and like the, the Christian and the Buddhist had known this scientist, and they were like kind of like a you know Richard Dawkins type, where they had been very vocally against religion for quite a while. and They were go. sitting at the bar, and then yeah, they walked up and said, hey, "How are you going?" And they went, "I'm just having a crisis." And they're like, "Oh, what's going on?" It's like, well. I really, really thought that um, that science pointed towards like you know this 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 atheism and this lack of religion, but like I, I just don't know anymore. And I'm like, oh, like like what happened? And he's like, well, I I thought about it and I was doing my science and I was doing physics and whatever else, and like I realized that Adams are Catholic. And I was like, what do you mean, like Adams yeah, are Catholic? I, like, I, well, I why uh, yeah. are Adams Catholic? And he's like, yeah, I, I they have mass. You know, just uh, yeah. like, yeah. yeah. So there yeah. must be Catholic.
1: Does that, like, work with quantum theory? I, I, I have do no quarks idea. have math?
0: I don't know. I don't know. But <laughs> a- anything that has math is clearly Catholic. So, yeah, you know, okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I, I love how you don't even, even give me any credit for these jokes anymore. <laughs> you you're just at the point where you're like, yeah, When, when whatever, they're good, you'll, okay. you'll get a
1: laugh or, or something. So you can... <laughs> how stony-faced or other I am. <laughs> uh,
0: well... um On that note, um, if you would like to help us uh, expand our reach to more than 20 people, uh, we would much appreciate that. Please do uh, send the podcast to a friend, let someone know, send them a link. Um, You know, don't bother with that rate and review kind of stuff. But, you know, just... just, You can if you want, but whatever. spread, Spread the word.
1: Absolutely right. And spread the word about Kevin McLeod as well, who does our music. Thank you, Kevin.
0: And if you'd like to spread the word with us and have that conversation and be part of the podcast, uh, recommend an article, we are christianbuddhistbar at gmail.com. See you next week.